0: live we welcome you that are with us live let's stand our feet as we get ready to go and we're gonna have communion those of you that are watching us from around the globe if you uh, desire to if you got some stuff to get some fruit of the vine and some bread you could take communion with us this morning because we're live and uh, I want to read a couple of things to you before we take this I just quoted these before we went live it says Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, that's something you might want to retain. We'll we'll probably see something similar to that in the message today. Uh, But I'm reading from the New King James. The Old King James uh, translated that as an adjective instead of an adverb, and that messed this text up. But in the Greek, it's an adverb. And the New King James has this right here. It says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Adverbs modify the action. Adjectives modify the actor, right? Anybody remember their English? And so, that's where the confusion come in. It came in and it caused a lot of people to shy away from communion. Now, if you're not a believer... If you're not a follower of Christ Then communion's not for you You shouldn't take it But if you think Your performance is good enough To take communion as a believer You're missing the boat there too Because none of our performance is good enough What Jesus did is he made a way And if you read this whole chapter Paul is really rebuking the church Because of how they're doing things And he sets all that straight. And then it comes to here, the Holy Spirit says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, there that word is again, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The best way to stay out of that is to not make your life, even your, I hate to use this word, but even your religious life about you. Make it about Him and others. Love Him with all your heart and love others the way He's asked you to. And then He says, He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Therefore, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I love that verse. That's why we use our altars around here weekly. Because you can come up here and get things worked out with the Lord. <clears throat> I know people don't have to use the altar every week. But I doubt if there's a few weeks or months or a year, for sure a year, that goes by that everybody shouldn't come up here and be doing some business with God. As I don't think I pastor perfect, perfect people. And you certainly don't have a perfect pastor. So we need to use these altars from time to time. You need to be in them. So Paul quotes Jesus here. I go back ahead, back behind this. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This matzah you're holding in your hand, this unleavened bread that's striped, pierced, and broken representing the body of Christ he had no sin, no leaven broken, his body was broken he was pierced, he was striped all this is representative of what Jesus done to you and that's why you and I have access to this table this morning is because of what Jesus has done we eat this bread in full assurance of what your life has done for us we eat it in Jesus name In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the Lord wants us to remember his sacrifice that he's done for us with his blood. This fruit of the vine represents that sacrifice. Lord, we lift this cup to you knowing that it's by your blood not the blood of bulls and goats, but by only by your blood that we have forgiveness of our sins and we have eternal life abiding in us because of what you've done. And we drink this cup with that awareness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, drink the cup. We praise God for what he did for Cali. Amen. Brenda, the Lord moved for Brenda, and I'm sure others, the Lord moved for Mark this week. The Lord, My granddaughters prayed me out of these problems with my knees. I tell you, I'm doing good. So we thank God for all He's done, but there's so much more available to us, and He wants to show His glory in us so those people out there can see Him in us. They don't need to see you. They don't need to see me. They need to see Jesus. Amen? It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare the loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute, on the harp, on the harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your your hands. O Lord, how great are your works! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass and when the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are on high forevermore. As I told you earlier, as long as he's on his throne, we'll be fine. And guess what? He's always going to be on his throne. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. What a good word. They shall still bear fruit in old age. And everybody over 50 said, (laughs) they shall be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in Him. Isn't that a good word? Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord. Give Him some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. You are the Alpha and Omega. The first and the last that was and is and is to come. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the rose of Sharon. You are the lily of the valley. You are the bright morning star. You are the parish of 10,000. You are the branch of Jacob. You are the wheel of the wheel. You are the bomb of healing. You are the faultless lamb and the great I am. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're my savior. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're my buckler. You're my shield. You are the king of the world. And you are coming soon. And we give you praise this morning. Hallelujah. And now we give you praise, Lord. You are worthy of our praise. Uh, turn around, Katie and Aver. They're in the right place this morning. Go ahead and shake their hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Amen. Give him praise one more time. He's worthy. <laughs> Children's church is dismissed. The rest of you can be seated. We have two nurseries next door. If you have your Bibles, I would like for you to hold on to them. I want to show you something on the screen first. Uh, let's look at uh, Lamentations 3 and 25. Let's, uh, let's read this together. Can you see it back here? You've got a better shot than I do. Let's read it together. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to take our time. Let's start all over. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Did you hear what you just read? All right. To the soul who seeks Him. We sang about that this morning. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We're going to talk about that word wait here in just a few moments. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 27. In Psalm 27, we're going to look at some... We're going to see this word again in just a moment. Let's look at the instruction we get from Psalm 27, and then we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 40 and look at that word a third time, and then we're going to talk about that word, and then we'll go to the New Testament and find the equivalent of that. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, I want to say something to you. If you've made your salvation, if you've come to Christ and you've surrendered your life to Him, and you believe that He's the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, that He died for your sins, that He rose from the dead, and you've asked Him to forgive you and come into your life, and you're on your way to heaven, you don't have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be afraid of. Now, if you've not done that, you have everything to be afraid of. You do. You have everything. If you've not made the Lord a, And if you're not following His teaching and His commandments, you're going to live in fear. That's how this works. But if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Now, did I hear what I said? I said, Lord. All caps, if you'll read it in the, new te- in the Bible. All caps, Lord. Right? He is Lord. Now, if He's not your Lord, if you just tried to buy some fire insurance, you may still be in trouble. You need to make Him your Lord. Amen? Tell your neighbors, say, you need to make Him Lord. All right? And then he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the light of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's emphasizing that you and I don't have to be afraid. Tell your neighbors, say you don't have to be afraid. You know what Psalm 37 says? Fear only causes harm. That's all it does. It doesn't do any good for us. It don't make you look spiritual. You may have a group of friends that think that looks spiritual, but that don't look spiritual to me or God. Anybody that knows the word, having fear don't look spiritual at all. And just because don't let people give you a guilt trip just because you won't be afraid and fear with them that you don't care. You're trusting in God's Word. We're, did you hear what we just saying? He is a resurrected King. What do we have to be afraid of? Jesus said, don't fear Him who can kill the body, but fear the Lord, right? If we fear God... Correctly, we don't have to fear anything else. If we don't fear God by having a relationship with Him through His Son, we'll have to be afraid of everything else. So we need to learn how to fear God. Amen? It says, When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, then this I will be confident. So we know this is prophetic about Jesus as well, but it's a word to us as well. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. God did not just intend, and this is clear with Hebrews, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That is a command. It's not an option. I got one amen over here. Was y'all all planning on missing next week or something? I know there's times when people have to be out. I understand that. But as a rule... We gather together. God intended for the church to be a community. And that word in Hebrews 11, or excuse me, Hebrews 10 says, forsake not. That's a command, that's not an option. So you've got to gather with God's people. They, it's not that you just need them, they need you. You, you need to be sensitive to, to encourage each other and exhort one another and to lift one another up. And share the word with each other. He says, one thing I have desired I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty. You know, it's tragedy to watch people stay in church most of their life and then give way to it, get out of it. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. Why? Because I'm hanging out with Him. That's what Psalm 84 is all about. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me, he shall set me on high upon a rock. I dare say we know how many times the Lord has hid us and protected us from all kinds of stuff. We'll probably find that out when we get on the other side, but it'll probably amaze us how many times the Lord has hid us and protected us from the plight or the trouble from the enemy. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Now don't come in here all sour-faced. Come in here happy, right? In fact, when you leave, that's when we take tithes and offering ups. When you leave, the Bible said he likes cheerful givers. He likes, the Greek means hilarious givers, right? You ought to be excited. You ought to have joy when you come to the house of God, and you ought to have joy when you leave. Somebody said, yeah, but I got trouble. Yeah, but this is where you can get that fixed. That ought to make you come in his gates with thanksgiving and in his courts with praise, saying, because I'm getting ready to be where God is going to drop his throne in the middle of his people. And when he drops his throne in the middle of his people, I have access to everything I need. So therefore, I should come in with joy, and I should leave with joy. That's how we should come in and out of the presence of God. And let me tell you something about joy. The Bible says in Joshua that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So without joy, guess what you and I are losing? We're losing our strength. It's really that simple. And how do you maintain your joy? You don't maintain your joy by the world straightening up. They're crazy out there. That's not how we're going to maintain our joy. And we don't even maintain our joy by everything going our way. We maintain our joy by knowing in whom we have believed and that He'd never leave us nor forsake us. He'd be with us all the way. He's going to walk through the fire with us. He's going to walk through the flood with us. He's my healer, my deliverer, my buckler, my shield. I don't have to worry about anything. Because God is on my side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Somebody give him some praise in this house. So you ought to have joy all the time. I don't care what your toenails doing on your foot. <laughs> Wherever that comes from. My toenails bother me, I think, this morning. It doesn't matter. You can maintain joy. That's what mature Christianity does. It don't look at the circumstances. It keeps its eyes on the Lord. And that's what God's going to show us this morning. He says, uh, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Come in here and praise Him. I don't care how bad you feel. What David said, why are you so downcast over my soul? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Uh, the Bible says that when he came back to Ziklag, all his wives and children, and everything, they'd come and ransacked everything. The Bible said David, he lost it all, kind of like Job for a moment. And then the Bible said that David encouraged himself in the Lord. If you're feeling really down, I'll tell you, nothing will help you like turning on God's Word. Turn His Word on, let it start ministering to your soul, man, your mind, your will and emotion, let it drop down into your spirit. It's better than anything else you can do. Let the Word of God come into you and bring the joy of the Lord into your life. Hear, O Lord, when I cry, my voice have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, your face, Lord, I will seek. And that's what we sang about. Not here for blessings. We're here to see you. We're here to know you. Now, he gives us blessings. We saw a lot of folks get ministered to last week. And God, we saw the results of that. We heard the testimonies. Do not hide your face from me, he says. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Everybody's without excuse. I don't care who you are, you can turn to the Lord. Even if you've been forsaken by the folks that are the closest to you, the Bible says if your father and mother forsake you, then the Lord will take you in. What a wonderful word for anybody. And we live in a world like that. I say if if children happen to be fortunate enough to make it out of the womb, there's such an attack against our children. The, the, you all know the system's full of children without parents and that epidemic. This child trafficking has already, now they say, passed drug trafficking. It's horrendous how the devil is after our children. It's horrendous how many, how many ways he's trying to destroy the offspring. And he knows that. He knows most parents don't understand that. Uh, they don't understand the value of getting their children connected to god's word listen let me tell you something we live in a culture where from the school systems to politics to everything they're most a lot of times they're saying just the opposite of what the bible teaches you understand that let me tell you something not one history book will be held that day when you stand before god not one policy from our from the american government or any other government for that matter will be brought out on that day when you stand before the lord this is the only thing that'll be used that day right here this is it so why do we spend all of our time getting ourselves grounded in all that other junk, right? Let it have its place, but do not let it substitute or get in front of this. If you want your children to really know the reality of life, they mean, and I'm going to say something while I'm on here. I'm going to get on the soapbox for a minute because I just want to. I've been studying a lot of stuff about Egypt, about the creation. I've been going back and regrounding myself. This world is not millions of years old. This, that's crazy talk. Did you know that when we landed on the moon that the reason they set that craft up like that is because they were afraid that there was going to be so much dust on the moon that they would, that they would sink, sink up in Mars. And they based that on the matter that would have been expelled over time based on millions of years. You know when they got up there they had a few inches, enough to the equivalent of around 6,000 years. Amen. They don't want you to know that. They are lying to you. Now, we, we know God lives in eternity. We don't, we, you, you and I don't know what went on before Adam, but we know since Adam and God's creating this earth the way He did that that's been right around 6,000 years. Did things go on before Adam? Sure, they did because God's always been. But you're going into a realm that you and I have no real concept of. You cannot, let me draw this because this is the best way I can do it as a, as a hillbilly. Uh, this. Is how I represent eternity. I've been doing this for years. Eternity is a circle. And God sits atop of that, and He can see all the way around it. So that's why He can prophesy to us things before they happen. God sees the whole thing. Now, right here at ground, I'll call it ground zero, that's where Adam was formed, and earth was created as we know it. And so, out here, there's going to be time no more when God brings this to an end, right? And we're going to slip back into what we call... Eternity. Now, the earth is, the, they're trying to date something or time or the atmosphere or space when there is no time. When you go into eternity, there's no more revolutions. I wear a watch because God instituted time for us. We have revolutions, right? The clock winds this way. And so we understand time in our concept, but we can't understand. Do you know that canyon that was created not near the vastness of? Uh, Of the Grand Canyon but after Mount St. Helens erupted and thousands of rock layers were formed within hours that blew another theory out of the water and then two weeks later a canyon over a hundred feet deep was formed within two weeks now they know and I told you this one of the last time we were at the Grand Canyon that uh, we stopped and listened to one of the guides who finally admitted and she was telling her crowd that we're listening to her, that uh, we now know that all this was underwater at one time. Well, so did Moses. <laughs> and so I am just thinking, well, you're, going, you're heading in the right direction at least now. And so I just want you to know that your Bible is true. And when the world, here's, here's the difference between God and the world. When God's people make mistakes, He goes ahead and lays it out. That's encouraging for the rest of us because we know we all fail too. When the world makes mistakes, they try to hide it. They don't want you to know that they was expecting multiple feet of dust on the moon when they landed and that it was only the equivalent about the age of the earth when they got there. They don't want you to know that stuff they, because they got a narrative. And like, like I've told you before, the reason for evolution and the reason for atheism is because they don't want to be accountable. That's what it all boils down to. As long as there's no God and as long as man came out of nothing and nowhere and there was no real purpose in him being created, it was just a haphazard thing. He came out, the fish came out and one of the warts turned into an eye and then the man came out. Just crazy stuff that takes more faith to believe than a God out there. The reason they don't want to go or give in is because they know if they submit to the fact that there's a God who created them, and a God who sent His only begotten Son to hang on a tree for them, and die for their sins, that they are going to have to be accountable. And that's, I'm going to tell you, that I got news for them, whether they believe it or not, they're still going to be accountable. The Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Somebody give Him praise, He's worthy. He says, when my father and brother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Uh, I think the old King James says, take me in. Both good translations. That is the wonderful thing, right? And you, you may be in a situation, maybe you've lost your parents or something. Somebody, maybe even to death. If you're in that situation, God is right there with open arms. Can you say amen? And then he says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. Man, I love that. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I love those words. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What a good word. That's Job. As we're going through Job, Job said, Though though I die and the worms eat my flesh, yet in the latter day I shall stand and see my Redeemer. That's why Job never gave up. That's why he kept the faith. That's why he kept holding on. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. All right, Let's go to Isaiah uh, 40. And then we'll look at this word wait. And then we'll run over to the New Testament just for a moment. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. He says... I love these words right here. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord... And notice, I want you as you read your Bibles throughout your week. Notice how many times, Old and New Testament both, God refers to Himself as the Creator. This stuff is not by chance. Can you say amen? He says, the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints... Nor is weary. I think another place says God neither sleeps nor slumbers. So God is always on the job. He's always watching out for us. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. Look at this word. But those who wait. Same word we've been looking at. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a wonderful word to all of us. The young men will even faint. You can't. And have you noticed that as you've gotten older, you don't have the same level of strength and stamina you once had? That stuff fades away. But those who wait on the Lord, this word wait in the Hebrew is kava. Pava is the word.' the same word we've been seeing in lamentation. It's the same word we've been seeing in Psalm. It's the same word we've been seeing here in Isaiah 41, or Isaiah 40. He says, "To hope that a thing will be affected." This is the definition. to hope that a thing will be affected, and to wait steadily and patiently till it is affected. To hope that something will be affected and to wait." Now that's a different definition. Than our hope. Because we read in the scripture, we read about how hope will not disappoint, right? Well, a lot of people, if we use hope in the language, our language, hope does disappoint. If we say, well, I hoped that would have happened, but it didn't happen. But in the context of what we're seeing here, in this in the Old Testament, what we're getting ready to see in the New Testament, this is hope that does not disappoint. And here's why. Because these people, it says, they hope that a thing will be affected and wait steadily and patiently until it is affected. In other words, they don't give up. That's all of us. We don't give up. We don't give up. Tell your neighbors, say, don't give up. And you're going to see people. Now, Job didn't give up. Noah didn't give up. We're going to read about Abraham in a minute. He didn't give up. Samson didn't give up. Even though he had some hard times, at the end he was still hanging in there, right? Samson didn't give up. Mary didn't give up. Paul didn't give up. John didn't give up. I mean, we could go on and on and on with people who didn't give up. Now, they may have had to wait a while, right? Job, all these guys, they had to wait a while. They had to go through some stuff. But all this stuff, they waited on the Lord. They hoped and they waited till that hope was manifested and that change came their way. Now, let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. In Romans 5, we see another word, LPC. It's the word we get El Piso from, El Peace and all that. In Romans 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope, there's the word, it has the same kind of meaning as the word in Hebrew, hope without a question marks. how I like to say this New Testament word, That's going to come to pass. We have hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Here we go. That word hupomenes, a lot of you have heard, means consistency. And perseverance and character and character. There it is again. El, peace, hope. Hope with no question mark. Why do we have hope without a question mark? In our language, if I say, I hope it don't rain today... I have no control over that, right? It may rain, it may not. That's out of my... So the way we use the word hope in English, it's like we don't have any control of the result. But here in the Scripture, the Bible's using this, both Testaments, very similar words, where that the hope is steadfast and sure, and the reason that's true is because of whom the hope is in, right? It's in a God who cannot fail. Now, here's where our problem lies. Hanging on to that hope until the manifestation of the result, right? These are the people. Let me read that Hebrew word again. It is to hope that a thing will be affected and to wait steadily and patiently till it is affected. That's us. Now, here's our problem. We're used to drive throughs and microwaves and quick fixes. That's our life, right? And so when God don't move in two weeks, we think there's something wrong. There don't have to be anything wrong. How, uh, we, we look at Noah. How do you think Noah held on? Because he believed God's Word and he took God's Word over all of his circumstances. That's what faith is. Faith is what, what your mind has agreed to, what your mind has seen, what your heart has agreed to. You hang your body on that in God's Word. And so that's what Noah did. He run around, what, 120 years? Telling everybody the rain was coming, the flood was coming. Now, how many people you think made fun of him? How many times do you think Noah went home talking to his wife thinking, "Boy, just nobody's really believing what I'm saying. And I'm starting to wonder, man, it's been 60 years. You hear me? It's been 60 years. It's been six months. I was encouraged this morning as I was worshiping and I was thinking about the message and worshiping and i was thinking i got a word from god about five years ago about something that still not happened and don't you think the devil ain't showed up a few times in those five years and said hey looks like you ain't getting that but this morning i was encouraged and renewed back to that to know that god's not a man that he should lie and that god will perform everything he says he will perform amen and so now, I got renewed in that. Those I had four dreams about something that God was going to do that have yet to come to pass. Now, I can say to you, I've had dreams and visions over time and seen them come to pass. Get a word from God, some of that's already happened, but this particular thing has not. And I, I'm sitting here waiting. Then I was encouraged this morning because I was thinking, how long did Noah wait? How long did he hang in there? How long did Abraham... If you're condition on following the Lord is based on results you're going to be miserable all the time especially if they're your results and not his and so I was encouraged this morning as we were worshiping and I was thinking about this message and then he goes on to say here he says now hope this is that hope right look what he says hope does not disappoint now hope does disappoint sometimes right in our language it does you hoped for a race car for christmas and you got two oranges and a candy can that was disappointing wasn't it let's be real hope in our language disappoints us from time to time but not in the context of where god's using it and how he used it he said this kind of hope does not disappoint oh boy look at all those guys in hebrews chapter 11 and the reason I put Samson in there, because a lot of us know how miserable Samson wound up for a season there after God using him mightily. But at the end of that, he guess where his hope was still at? <laughs> he had his eyes gouged out, and I preached to the youth this week that uh, Samson was going blind before his eyes were gouged out. But eventually he had his eyes bored out, and he was over there, and when, they, when he told that lad, he said, put me over there, put me by the pillars and he did not ask the lad he didn't say has my hair grown out he didn't say that so I can know if I've got my strength back the Bible says he cried to the Lord so he went through a lot to get it but he finally got it his real strength was not those locks of hair his real strength was the Lord Now what's God going to have to take us through For us to really get it For us to quit trusting in that stuff out there For us to quit trusting in our own strength And our own stuff But for us to trust in the Lord What's he going to have to do Now this is hope that does not disappoint Let's go to to Hebrews chapter 6 And I'm probably going to close here But in Hebrews chapter 6 There's something here I want us to see For sake of time, let's go, to verse, uh, let's go to verse 9. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. Look what he says here. Now, he just talked about people who miss it, who don't, they, they uh, lose their way. They're not partakers of the things of God. And then he gets into Abraham. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Do you know what your salvation... Has anybody ever took a word study on sozo and soterion, Greek words that are used for saved? I mean, it's powerful. I've preached from that some. But there are ten things that being sozoed, I made a new word, sozoed, over the years, does. So many wonderful things that salvation brings us and offers us. He says, yes, things that accompany salvation. Your salvation its first job is to clean us up and give us eternal life. And then it offers us so many more things. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Think about that. God is not unjust to forget what you've done. Have you ever thought He maybe has? Have you ever thought that, hey man, I've been working for God a long time and I'm just not seeing the results that I think I ought to see. Right? And then he says, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now, I ask you a question Do you minister to other saints? There's so many ways to do that now. We're living in a generation where there's just so many ways to minister to other people now. We've got so many avenues that we cannot make life all about ourselves. And he says, oh, you have ministered to saints and do minister. In other words, you continue to do that. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. You remember when uh, Peter and them were in the house <coughs> and the Bible says his mother-in-law started ministering to all of them? She was just taking care of them. Listen, Jesus was in the house. If anybody was going to teach, it was going to be him. She was doing all these other... Up- There's ways to minister to people other than to instruct them. There's so many ways to minister to people's needs. Jesus talks about that woman ministering to his need with her own tears and wiping his feet, ministering to that need. And we desire that each one of you should show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope, there that word is again, el peace until the end, that you do not become sluggish. Now have you become sluggish? In ministering to others. Are you too busy? Has life gotten too encumbersome? Jesus said in Luke 21. He said don't get caught up in carousing. Drunkenness and cares of this life. That that day would overtake you. And catch you off guard he said. But is that stuff causing you and I to become sluggish. In our attention to others in the body. Now you remember what I read before we took communion? People get in trouble who do not discern the body. You're looking at the body of Christ around you, and there's so much more across the pond everywhere discerning the body. He says, <clears throat> He says, For God made a promise to Abraham. Everybody remembers that story, right? His wife's barren. Abraham's past, they past having children. At this point, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. How many years? Was it 30, 40 years? And in the middle of that, he tried to do it himself, right? Him and Sarah got their own plan together. God forgave them, but they had trouble because of doing their own thing. How I many have gotten in trouble for it by doing your own thing? Yeah. You know who your worst enemy is? The person you brush their teeth every day. I hope you brush your their teeth every. Day. <laughs> That's our worst enemy, isn't it? Think about Abraham. The next time you're hoping for something and it don't happen in two weeks, think about Abraham. Think about Noah. Think about Job. Think about Mary. Think about these guys waiting. Think about Moses. When he signed the job, he said, how long is it going to take us to get through the desert? I don't know if he asked that to the Lord, but I can see him saying, Lord, how, how long do you think it'll take us to get? Well, it should take you about three to four weeks. Moses retired in the desert. took him 40 years. So the next time you get disillusioned about the hope you're trying to have, remember, hope that's in God is sure and steadfast. And you may have to wait a while. Tell your neighbor, say, you may have to wait a while. But He's coming. You can come The instruments. God's through. You may have to wait a while. You may have to endure. You may have to be consistent. Now, I want, you, I want to give you a word of caution here. How many people do you think over the years have been in a church, been in the house of the Lord, and have got disappointed in something not happening, and they left the area where God manifests His throne? See, that's where He manifests His throne in the midst of us. That's what He does. How many people do you think have been disillusioned, disappointed over some hope they had that hadn't manifested itself yet, and they left? Countless. I talk to them all the time. People got disappointed in God, or the church, or whatever. And they left. And here's one of the most crucial verses in the New Testament. The Bible says, Jesus looked over Jerusalem and said, How long did I desire to gather you in like a mother hen does her chicks? But you would not. And here's what he said. He said, You missed your day of visitation. Now, if you get mad at God or the preacher or somebody else or anything to do with God's kingdom, and you go sit in your solitary place, and the Lord shows up and you're not there. You missed your day. You don't want to do that. Let's stand to our feet. We do not want to miss our day of visitation. We want to be positioned. We want to be positioned in a spot to where God can see us when He's passing by. Just like Barnabas the only guy on the road that day that could see and he was the one that was blind but he called him the son of David God loves everybody in this building I don't know I can give you the instruction but I don't know specifically unless the Lord reveals it what exactly you need to go through and endure and wait on to, for the image of Christ to be fully formed in you I don't know that about you I don't even know that about myself for it. but God takes us through journeys and my journey led me through Amarillo, Texas for a reason and as I've told you before that was God's gift to me strange as it may sound because I belong to the Lord and nothing is out of His jurisdiction and my steps are ordered by Him then he has a purpose and a plan in everything. And can you move into a spot with your relationship with God to be like Joseph? I want to that's where I want to move. Because the Bible says that all good things work together for the good of them. Have you noticed that before? It's plural, not singular. So I take you to Joseph. Everything Joseph went through, lied on, cast in the jail, left for dead. What did he tell his brothers? It's for good of you, all of us. Can you live there? Can you say, God, use me even if I have to suffer if it will benefit others? Can you live there? Have you surrendered yourself to live there? Would you live there? Would you say, God, I'll suffer if it'll help others? Our human nature is to get out of the suffering. Isn't it? That's our nature. But you signed up, and here's what we said. We're no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to Him. And someday, all of us are going to have to walk out of that garden and say, not my will, but your will be done. I'll guarantee you with Amram and Jochebed's will to let Moses get raised in Egypt. That wasn't their ideal at all. He was at their school system, not the Hebrews. But that was God's plan. And they had to surrender to him. Are you unconditionally available to God? Or do you still have conditions for God? Let's bow our head. Father, all of us face trials and tribulations. All of us face disappointment. You've encouraged us that the hope we have in You will always manifest itself. It may not manifest itself tomorrow or even next week or next month. But if we'll keep the faith, that hope will manifest. God, help us to be unconditionally available to you. Those who hope in you steadfastly will renew their strength. And that joy can be maintained. And that is our strength. I pray that over these people this morning, God, we thank you for all the miracles you've done in the last few days, both spiritually and even physically. And if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's not born again, we open this altar to them. Anybody under the sound of my voice that's not totally surrendered or just needs to move forward in that, we open this altar to them. Whatever your need is, you may come this morning as we worship.